You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, your trusty, if not talented, host of the program, fresh from BamaOnline.com, where I serve as the senior analyst for the Alabama affiliated website on the 247sports.com network. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolates here out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Get by there today. The chocolate lady, you know, she doesn't really bring home a lot of the product, even though I head up the quality control department there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. I am a quality control engineer for the store, but she did bring home some of that dark chocolate almond bark the other day, and it didn't have much of a shelf life. I, I made sure to test it. And uh, it tested out at 100%. So get by Peterbrook Chocolates here, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60-minute of Sports Talk Radio. And, Jacob, we talked about it yesterday. Those 72 Dolphins, they like these weekday matinee games with these Pittsburgh Steelers because they were eyeballing those undefeated Steelers in connection to the 72 Dolphins and their perfect season. And I got to think it was a party at the Piccadilly down in Fort Lauderdale or maybe Davie, somewhere like that in South Florida yesterday after your Steelers for the first time in 2020 felt the sting, felt the sting, Jacob, of defeat. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. You know what, though? If you had to lose to a team and a guy, how about losing to Alex Smith after what he's been through? And Ron Rivera. Yeah. No, yeah, no. All the respect in the world to Washington. Yeah. I mean, you don't like to lose, especially when you haven't lost. But those two guys and Alex Smith, just go ahead and give him comeback player of all time. Forget about comeback player of the year. Just comeback player of all time. My buddy Bill Oakley suggested on Twitter, just name the award after the guy, the Alex Smith comeback player of the year award. How does that sound? I know it doesn't sound Excellent. maybe that good right now, Jacob, but do you like that? I love that. I, I, I and, 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 and having a player of, of my own that, that I would like to see win the award is just unfortunate for Ben Roethlisberger because you can't compete with Alex Smith's story. He's the best quarterback in his division right now, and he's got uh, the Washington football team, no name or not, headed to the playoffs and, and probably going to sneak up on somebody. Yeah, you, you got to like the uh, – you got to love the Alex Smith story, but, boy, that NFC East – it's a train wreck, but it's a fun one. You know, it's one of those train wrecks that you just can't look away from because uh, you got the Cowboys playing tonight in a Tuesday night game against the Baltimore Ravens. And so as bad as that division is, you'll watch it because, well, pretty much everybody is still in the hunt. Perhaps we're about to see Jalen Hurts, speaking of the NFC East, take over there in Philly from Carson Wentz. Jalen got some extended run against the Packers on Sunday. Looked pretty good. 
had the touchdown pass, had a pick. Uh, but it's just, you just never know. I mean, you know that the teams are going to be pretty bad in the NFC East, but, uh, but you'll watch it anyway. We got a lot of other things to get into on the program today. We'll talk some college football extensively with Brent Beard coming up in the very next segment. We'll tour the Southeastern Conference with Brent as we do each and every Tuesday here on the show. We'll talk about coaching openings in the league that have been filled, like South Carolina. We'll talk about the possibility for additional openings after we move through the upcoming weekend. The upheaval down at LSU just doesn't seem like it's going to stop anytime soon. And with everything you've got going on with the Title IX investigation uh, into players and former players and uh, alleged assaults, uh, those type of things that, that are still very much ongoing, and now you're hearing that perhaps true freshman tight end Eric Gilbert could opt out for the remainder of the season. Maybe he's on the move. He is a former high school teammate of Harrison Bailey, the true freshman quarterback up at Tennessee. Obviously, being from the state of Georgia, who knows where Eric Gilbert could end up. Maybe he stays at LSU. But it's that type of uncertainty that you certainly did not expect from LSU less than 12 months removed from a national championship, but this is where the Tigers sit. We'll get into some of that stuff with Brent. Uh, there's some coaching uh, openings that aren't SEC-related, but perhaps could impact the Alabama coaching staff. Uh, hearing a lot about Charles Huff, Alabama running backs coach, associate head coach, in connection with that new opening down at South Alabama. Could Charles Huff be on the move? We talk so much about Sark and the potential for him to move on to another head coaching job at the college level. I've said it before. If I'm one of these NFL openings, I take a look at Sark. You know, if I'm our Jacksonville Jaguars and we move on from Doug Marone and I've got a top two pick, which means I'm getting, in all likelihood, Justin Fields at the quarterback position, I could do worse, I think, than pairing Sark with Justin Fields. Uh, but there's a lot of that stuff going on as well. I've been getting hit up from South Alabama people about the potential for Charles Huff. Maybe Charles Huff, as a part of his candidacy, is outlining a staff that would include some existing support staffers for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, some guys like Major Applewhite, maybe. You got some young coaches as analysts and graduate assistants on this Alabama staff that might make some sense should Charles Huff end up in Mobile as the next head coach of the Jags. And that job's got some, it's got some, uh, it's attractive. It's far more attractive than it was even a year ago. You got the new stadium down there. You obviously have an outstanding recruiting base starting right there in a mobile area that produces a lot of talent on an annual basis. You're right there at the Panhandle. You're right there at Louisiana. So you can see what guys like Charles Huff see in a potential opening there, a potential uh, opportunity at USA. Uh, you know, you wonder about the money a little bit, as we've talked about before, because these position coaches and these assistant head coaches now, they make so much at places like Alabama and in the SEC – with those multi-year deals, uh, it's tougher for schools like South Alabama, Southern Miss, others to really compete, even just for the assistant coaches these days. And I'm talking about position coaches, not just coordinators coming from the SEC to head coaching jobs, but just position coaches. And that's where you're seeing more of those jobs sort of go to the positional level instead of the coordinator level, because the coordinators now are making in excess of 1.5, you know? in the SEC at a lot of places. And I'm guessing South Alley going to pay 1.5 to its new head coach, but it can get into the sort of that six, $700,000 range, maybe eight for the right position coach position coaches making a half million, half million a year, at least at a place like Alabama. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four is the Peterbrook chocolate here studio line. By the way, if you'd like to check in with us, we would love from he love to hear from you. Hey, Jacob, it's Taco Tuesday again, man. And you know what that means. I'm being told. I'm being dictated to as to what I'll have for dinner tonight. 
and we both are in, agree- in agreement, we don't like being dictated to when it comes to dinner time. But uh, we do what we got to do. Last night was lasagna night, you know, and I think that's where the chocolate lady gets me. She knows I'm not crazy about Taco Tuesday, so she'll come with the lasagna on Monday night, five cheese lasagna last night. Do you want to know what those cheeses were, Jacob? Would you like to know? Yes, sir. All right. Smoked provolone, parmesan, mozzadelle, mozzarella. Uh, what else do we have in there? Oh, ricotta. Ricotta makes the lasagna, I think. If you're going to do lasagna and you don't do ricotta, don't even do it. And then just a little bit of cheddar. You know, give it a little sharpness with the cheddar. Not a lot of cheddar, just a little. Yeah. And then a, uh, a bolognese sauce that went on top of that cheese lasagna. Ooh, how about that? You know, we cheat a little bit on the sauces these days. We typically like to do a homemade sauce, a homemade gravy. Uh, but we found this Real sauce. You can get it at the, the grocery store. It's more, okay? It's more than Prego or Ragu or whatever. But I'm just telling you, it's out of this world. For out-of-the-jar sauce, you're not gonna you're not going to make a much better sauce homemade than you are with Real's. And this is unsolicited. This isn't a plug. We're not being compensated for this, but Real's is actually a tiny Italian restaurant in New York City that is almost impossible to get into. But they have started producing their own marinara, and they have a spicy version of it. If you like a little kick in your sauce, they got that too. And so we did that last night. So I'll go to Taco Tuesday because I, I got the lasagna last night. There you go. Hey, speaking of food, we're going to tie it into Devontae Smith. Hey, Jacob, do you like gumbo? Oh, yes, absolutely. Who doesn't like gumbo, right? right. You know, and what makes gumbo so great is the confluence of flavors and textures and ingredients, right, that all come together to just produce this dynamic, powerful culinary punch right in the face, Right in the mouth there. You love it. And so I was thinking about Devontae Smith and trying to sort of match up his game to sort of the perfect cup of gumbo. And what starts every gumbo, right? What do you have to have as the base for the perfect cup of gumbo? You got to have the roux. You got to have the roux as the foundational ingredient. And when I think of Devontae Smith, and the rue of his game, to me, it's his competitive nature. It's that he's an elite competitor. That's where it all starts. That's the rue. That's the foundation of Devontae Smith's game. And then you think about the, the uh, variety of seafoods in a perfect cup of gumbo or just proteins in general, Okay. Jacob, when you think of proteins in your gumbo, is it shrimp, sausage, and maybe some fish also in there, maybe some redfish, maybe even some chicken in your gumbo? What what are what would be sort of the three the three proteins in the perfect cup of gumbo for you? I would go shrimp and sausage uh that that's the way we always made it at home, so I'll, I'll that's just all stick you need that. right yeah that that's good okay. enough for me. Yeah, I'm with you. If I was gonna have, if I was gonna have three, two for sure would be the shrimp and the andouille sausage. Some people like Kaneka sausage. It's an in-state thing. I get it. It's great stuff. Can't beat it. Um, but if I was gonna have sort of a a third, it would it, for me it would probably be redfish or a fish of some type in there to go with the shrimp. And some people like oysters and things like that. But I'm not much of an oyster person. But it's the variety, and that's where Devontae Smith, we talk about three proteins in a gumbo, three levels of the defense that he can absolutely devastate you. He can devastate you on the short and crossing routes, and he can do a lot of that after the catch. He's also, this goes back to his competitive nature, he's also not above running those kind of routes. You know, you get a lot of these guys, they're fine with running that 18-yard dig and that go route. But you ask them to run that crossing route, they're not that crazy about it. Devontae Smith on all three levels. He's got the redfish. He's got the shrimp. 
and he's got the sausage in his game, the variety. Now, do you like okra in your gumbo, Jacob? Do you have to have okra, or are you more onion? What do you, What else do you, vegetable-wise, what do you want in the gumbo? I mean, I love okra under every circumstance. Uh, yeah. But de- yeah, definitely goes in the gumbo. Uh, onions as well. I mean, just mash it up, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, the, the okra, to me, okra and gumbo would be the blocking, the physicality element of uh, of Devontae Smith's game. It goes overlooked, right? The okra, it shouldn't be the star of the gumbo, but it's vital to the overall success of the cup, and that's where I think Devontae Smith, with the complete game, that's where his blocking, his physicality, that's where that comes in. What about the dollop of rice on top? you got to have just a little bit of rice, don't you? I mean, it's not... It's not a requisite for me, but I, I like the rice on top. I like a little rice to go in the gumbo. Do you do rice with the gumbo, Jacob? Yes, sir. Absolutely. And you know what? The rice can be – it can lead to a, a catastrophic outcome of the gumbo. People don't try hard enough on the rice a lot of times. You know what I mean? Like you can screw up rice. It can be screwed up. It's just like how I go off in a seafood restaurant or a barbecue restaurant when coleslaw is disrespected. How can you have a seafood restaurant and or a barbecue joint and you bring out some coleslaw that is totally unacceptable? It's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to the genre of seafood and barbecue when the coleslaw is room temperature and overloaded with mayonnaise and no flavor. Kind of like that with the dollop of rice with the gumbo. And, you know, when you talk about that with Devontae Smith, it's all about consistency. you got to have consistency in the rice. And that's what you get with Devontae Smith each and every time out. It's just bang, bang, bang. I mean, look at these last four or five games with Jalen Waddle out. No problem. Brings it each and every week. So there you go. I bet you weren't expecting to hear that today. Devontae Smith's game compared to the perfect cup of gumbo. And by the way, now I think I know what I'm going to probably have for lunch. We're going to head to our first break. We come back. It'll be time for Brent Beard here on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A cool day with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high 54. Clear tonight below at 35. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. Lots of sunshine both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow is 62. The high Thursday at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. You're listening to Tide 100.9. Are you in the holiday spirit? Check out Tuscaloosa's Home for the Holidays on Nick 97.5. All Christmas songs, Each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon, it is that time on Tuesdays where we like to do a little something we refer to as the Tour de SEC. And as always, joining us to take us around the league is the one and only Brent Beard of First Coast News and College Sports Today. Brent, how are you doing on this Tuesday morning? Well, it's chilly down here, my friend, but that's okay, too. It'll be near 70 on Thursday, so it will. But, I mean, it's seasonal, so we're happy about that. But, boy, there's a plenty going on in the conference. And, uh, and Trav, I, people may not realize we've got some teams that have already uh, actually finished their season in South mm-hmm. Carolina and Kentucky, such as that. Plenty more. Uh, still to play for for some others 
but boy, some interesting comings and goings and, and, uh, and maybe some other interesting goings at some point, uh, is that transfer portal getting, uh, is spinning wildly in it, pal. It really is. And some programs that just a year ago we were talking about as the very best or among the very best in all of college football, just a complete 180. And I think you got to start with LSU because uh, even with the turnover, even with the mass exodus to the NFL, even with the preseason opt outs, the coaching staff overhaul uh, with an emphasis on both coordinator spots or both coordinator level spots, I guess you could say. Steve Ensminger still in his place as the OC. Uh, now we're hearing Eric Gilbert, perhaps, yeah. the standout true freshman tight end, may be done for the season. According to Ed Orgeron and some comments to the local media there in Baton Rouge, I believe earlier today, uh, Eric Gilbert has gone to Ed Orgeron about maybe sitting out uh, Florida Saturday night and perhaps beyond. Who knows? I mean, Eric Gilbert could be on the move for all we know, Brent. Yeah. Well, that would be huge, frankly. Um, I mean, uh, as your listeners know, Alabama was very interested in Eric Gilbert, uh, to, to say the least. I mean, he was the number five player in the country in that 2020 class. He's obviously from uh, Georgia, and, and that, that will come up as far as the possibility uh, played in eight games, 35 catches. I mean, listen, he's the real deal when he uh, when he is motivated uh, and he is playing. But boy, that they just continue to uh, uh, to lose so many players at this point. And and Trav, there, uh, listen, what we thought was a uh, a decent defense coming in, they're now last in the league after the Bama game uh, in pass defense, three thirteen yards per game and allowing 33 points per game so what you said is right is right now not much going on and you were there in baton rouge right now is it pal yeah it was eerie uh sort of the setting there in baton rouge on saturday night obviously the pandemic primarily to blame for that when you don't have the festive tailgating and the party scene that you're used to there in baton rouge but just from a football perspective i mean the fans that were in attendance from the outset, you could tell they had seen enough of this yeah, team. I'm sure they were making their displeasure <laughs> widely known there yeah. in a socially distanced Death Valley on Saturday night. So what do you anticipate this offseason being like for Ed Orgeron? Are you expecting to see turnover on this coaching staff? Is Bo Pelini, in your opinion, a one and done? Where does Ed Orgeron go from here? Well, even though we gave you the defensive numbers a few minutes ago, Orgeron said before the Alabama game that he thought the uh, uh, the, the players were beginning to understand Pelini's system. But, I mean, when you look at it overall, it just really hasn't worked in a lot of ways. Trev, my thing with, with LSU, is Orgeron going to be uh, at LSU in a year with yeah. this? I still go back to this Title IX situation, I, I, probably because it's been quiet lately because everyone is uh, still investigating the situation. But, Trav, that, uh, that there's some heavy accusations against LSU, and um, they uh, they were supposed to have dealt with a couple players, and there were nine in all and only two out of, out of nine uh, that, that they've dealt with. At some point, Trav, and we don't know this, but uh, how heavy does this fall on O? Uh, and would that cost him his job in a few months is the thing that I wonder, frankly. Yeah, there is so much other stuff. If it were just the disappointments yeah. on the field, it would be one thing. But you have the probation going into effect, which you know may not directly uh, be attributable to anything that O has done. But it's just sort of the, the, uh, the way the program is trending suddenly and uh, how it appears to be headed towards whether it's this year or maybe even next year, uh, an call uh, starting yes. with the, the top job and moving throughout. It seems inevitable at this point, but then you look at this LSU roster. I talked about this yesterday. It's reason for optimism. There Miles is. Brennan comes back. You've seen some good things from TJ Finley. I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of Max Johnson. Every time mm-hmm. I see him. Yeah. So, quarterback is where it starts uh in terms of in terms of 
how your program is perceived, whether it's with optimism or pessimism, that's where it starts. Now, the lines of scrimmage, uh, secondarily, are, are where we tend to look. And I said this yesterday. I thought Saturday night was the most outplayed I've seen LSU up front mm-hmm. on really both oh, sides yeah. of the ball. Absolutely. As I can recall in this series between these two teams, Brent. Uh, Trev, I'm curious if you picked up on this, but the LSU beat writers uh, have told us all year that their offensive line has really been an issue for them yeah. uh, on, on, on a number of situations. And you mentioned the quarterbacks, and I'm with you. I think there's a lot of potential. Johnson's uh, father, obviously, is Brad Johnson, who played at FSU. But uh, they're three quarterbacks, 18 touchdowns and eight picks. Uh, which those, those numbers are nothing to brag about uh, at this point. So uh, no question, uh, but because of numerous situations uh, that this LSU line of scrimmage is very un-LSU-like over the last few years, right? Yeah. Well, the the thing was two years ago when Alabama went down there and shut out LSU twenty nine to nothing, it was a pretty wide gulf between Alabama and LSU on the lines of scrimmage. LSU sort of evened that out a year ago. You had a lot of inexperience on the Alabama defensive line here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, But this year it was back to really what we've seen uh, in some previous years. Hey, talking about coaching, Mm -hmm. and let's put a more positive spin on it. Who's your SEC coach of the year right now as we head into this I guess penultimate weekend of SEC play because I guess we're anticipating games for September the 19th in addition to the SEC championship game. Who do you got right now as your SEC coach of the year, Brent? Uh, Well, uh, the truth of the matter is if they get in the playoffs, uh, it should be Nick Saban, but he won't get credit for that. Uh, yeah, so, that's almost that's almost a given. We just take yeah. him right out of the mix. Uh, oh know? yeah, yeah. Which is ridiculous when you really think about that. Trev, I, I would go with Eli Drinkwith right now. I, I mean, they uh, you can make an argument that uh, they are playing about as well, uh, frankly, uh, as anyone would be. That it's not either. Alabama or Florida, I mean, Larry Roundtree has been uh, the workhorse that we thought he would be, uh, that they're getting better uh, with their receivers. Damon Hazleton, the Virginia Tech transfer, had a really good game against Arkansas. Uh, Nick Bolton uh, had an ankle injury, but he's one of the better linebackers in the league. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think uh, I think their quarterback, that fr- the freshman, Vaslack, uh, Vaslack no, yeah. has been the difference for them. His yeah, his emergence behind center, really starting in the loss, even at Tennessee, you, you started to see him really take over that spot. And I agree, threw for 380 this past weekend against Arkansas, and that helps Larry Roundtree get the ground game going. Sure. He goes for 185 on Saturday. Uh, that game almost had the feel of the winner. The coach of the winning team yeah. in that game was going to be your SEC coach of the year, it seemed like. Uh, well, I, I think so, too. And, Trav, oh, I think it would be fair to say if, if Georgia goes over there this week and uh, that they're not tending to business, I'm not saying Missouri is necessarily going to win, but I think they could give Georgia a lot of problems. Frankly, I know some of these Georgia players uh, or that there's some thought about uh, that they may be back. Uh, Richard LeCount is supposed to be able to play this week after that mm-hmm. motorcycle injury. That that would help. That that would help him very much. But I tell you what, we we've heard for years, Trav, that that drink with is it really a pretty good football coach, and he has shown that. And and I and look, uh, I I think that makes that Bama early win at Missouri look even better at this point. But with what that they were able to do with them, but but I'm I've been very impressed with what uh, Eli's done this season. Yeah, you know, I think he's more of a motivator than I gave him Maybe. credit for. Yeah. You hear the guy, and uh, he brings the energy. You look at him, and he's sort of this nerdy-looking guy that you sort of <laughs> yeah. just think of as a an offensive mastermind, first mm-hmm. and foremost. But he brings some juice, and you can tell he's already got those guys playing for him. Uh, in year one there in Columbia, I, I, 
look at Georgia going into this game Saturday as a 13-point favorite, and that seems a little high, but then I have to consider that quarterback situation at Georgia yeah. seems to be a good bit better than it was just a couple weeks ago. JT Daniels, without JT Daniels behind center right now, I don't think that line's 13 in favor of Georgia going into no. Saturday morning. No, no, absolutely not. Many stretch of the imagination. And Jordan Davis with the elbow and Kendall Milton with the knee may also be able to uh, come back to uh, an interesting note on this game if they are able to do this uh, with COVID. But this senior group uh, right now is 42 and 9. Uh, the all time win at Georgia, this won't surprise you, was from the 2005 and 2009 senior class uh, that had uh, 45, uh, or, or I'm sorry, 44. So this senior class, if they're able to play out the season, may be able to break that mark, which would be certainly significant for them. What do we think about uh, Alabama being a 31 point favorite? on the road again this week. I mean, last week it was a 29-and-a-half-point favorite at LSU. This week, minus 31 in Fayetteville. You like that 11 a.m. start for Alabama this week, Brent, given that the SEC championship matchup with the Florida Gators is in Atlanta just a week away? Probably. I, I, I'm I'm not surprised they got it because, uh, as you well remember, Traub, all those 11 o'clocks last year, uh, fortunately, that has not been the case this year. Uh, so, and, and probably due to what weather and whatever you can come up with in Arkansas, that's probably not going to uh, uh, hurt either. Now, the reality is uh, they've got some significant injuries. I mean, Grant Morgan, uh, their linebacker, who leads the nation in tackles, uh, as you remember, he hurt his knee in that Missouri game. Uh, and, and Trev, can you see the depth issues uh, at Arkansas now finally raising its head? They've given up like 140 points in the last uh, three games, really struggled defensively against Missouri, but uh, a lot of teams have at that point. So, yeah, I, I, I can probably see the 30 uh, with these injuries, the, the depth issues, and the way Bama's playing right now. But, but I can tell you what, and you and I know you've already called attention to this, but, Trev, those trailings at Arkansas, trailing Burks and trailing Smith, uh, <laughs> those guys can uh, – uh, trailing Smith, 172 yards. Last week, trailing Burks had 10 catches for 206. Travis, would trailing Burks be, be one of the better receivers Bama sees this year? Yeah, he is an immense talent. You know, Traylon Smith at the running back position. Rakeem Boyd opted out. He did. And Traylon right. Smith just goes for 172 and three touchdowns yeah. last week. Really? And, really? You know, I was thinking, Brent, we were about to get the Florida quarterback one-two punch for Alabama the next two weeks. I was thinking Felipe Franks this Saturday <laughs> and then Kyle Trask yeah. the next Saturday. But Felipe Franks wasn't able to go against Missouri because of a rib issue. But K.J. Jefferson, the redshirt freshman, acquitted of himself quite well, threw for 274 and three touchdowns, ran for another touchdown. Yeah. So, right. yeah, just on the offensive side of the ball, Kendall Bryles coordinating those guys. Uh, this isn't a game in which the Alabama defense nor, sort of needs to sleepwalk out there for that no. early start. Uh, no, but by, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and and uh, now uh, Pittman said la yesterday that he doesn't have an update yet uh, as far as uh, Felipe Franks, who frankly – his numbers as far as touchdowns and interceptions going into the into that Missouri game uh, were on par. Uh, I mean, he didn't have as many, but his ratio was similar to uh, Mac Jones and Kyle mm -hmm. Trask uh, in that way. So we don't quite know. But but I'm with you. Jefferson looked really good. Uh, I think he gives them a nice future. Uh, the thing Bama would have to be really careful of would be his running ability. Uh, but, but listen, pal, I know you've been out there uh, when Bama's played there before with some really good teams and and have struggled. Uh, Trav, it wasn't that long ago, was it, uh, that, that there was a, 
uh, what was it, uh, uh, 14, 13, or one of those things out there uh, that uh, th- that really was close to the best the entire game. So ba- Bama's history in playing in that state, uh, it te- tells you, and again, uh, th- th- I think they'll win comfortably, uh, but there <laughs> there have been a few uneasy fourth quarters in that state, hasn't it? Yes, there has. They have yet to lose to Arkansas in the Nick Saban era, but there have been some harrowing escapes yes. in Fayetteville. 2010 comes to mind, got out yep. of there with their lives. And uh, that 2014 game that you alluded to, 14-13, really won that game on a blocked extra point sure, sure did. by Jonathan Allen in the right foot of J.K. Scott. Yeah. He kept the Razorbacks backed up all night long. Some miserable weather in 2014, which we may have some more of on the way uh, for Northwest Arkansas on Saturday, it looks like. Talking with Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports brought to you by Peter Brook chocolates here uh brent we've talked about some of the coaching situations maybe oh up in the air uh what about gus malzahn this saturday you know when this game was originally set to be played with mississippi state and auburn i'm thinking auburn at that time would have been favored somewhere in the neighborhood of the upper teens going to starkville right right now after the last two weeks, Auburn just a six-and-a-half-point favorite going to Mississippi State against a Bulldog team that looks to be making some improvements under Mike Leach, even with uh, a, a roster that could be best described maybe as bare bones at this point yeah. in terms of numbers. Oh, yeah, I, 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 absolutely, and some stuff that really sticks out. Uh, with Auburn outscored 100 to 39 and against Georgia, Bama, and A&M, uh, another year, the seventh in a row where Gus has lost four or more. Uh, that is not escape notice uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And, and and I'm sure you've noticed this too, Trev. The the Auburn beat writers, when they when they're asked about the weakness of this football team, they will tell you very quickly it's the offensive line yeah. uh, that, that that has struggled the whole year, but. Uh, regardless, uh, look, I'm not sure Bo would stay in the pocket if he had the Alabama <laughs> offensive line in front of him. Is a problem with that, but but but, but Trev, my, here's my question to you about this. Look, uh, I, I, the way Auburn is at this point, uh, between their state of mind, between injuries, uh, particularly if Tank Bigsby is limited again, uh, and you wonder if he's going to play in a game like this with. Uh, state's defense uh, has improved. I, I think I think they're much bigger than freshman quarterbacks. They're much better right now at uh, at quarterback. And, and Trev, my question, thinking out loud, is is for Auburn's sake, if they were to get upset in Starkville, would the noise and the pressure be so much that it, it would it would force the administration's hand? Uh, or maybe the big money boosters, or is that promise that next year is supposed to be the the panacea is what's keeping the hope alive right now? Yeah, Gus right now speaks with the assuredness of a man who possesses a twenty plus million dollar buyout. Yeah, yeah, no point. Gus right now, yeah. and he sort of refers to this season as a good season or a solid yeah. season. Yeah, talks more about next year. Uh, that's what I hear from Gus and. You know, I think that also illustrates the difference in terms of expectations, even sure. for that program, no from the head coach to the fan base. I think Gus looks at it exactly the way I look at it. It's an every other year situation yeah. for all. Right. And right. typically that every other year, Brent, involves home games yes. with Georgia and Alabama. He knows oh, yeah. every other year he's going to get those games at home. The problem for Gus right now and Auburn, as I see it, though, isn't so much trying to maintain contact with Georgia and Alabama. It's the concern that very much in their rearview mirror, if not already in their <laughs> side mirrors, yeah. are Texas yeah. A&M, no doubt. Ole Miss with Lane yes. Kiffin. And yes. then we may find out Saturday night that Mike Leach is right there as yeah. well. So Arkansas's on the come, it appears, under Sam Pittman. So I think the sense of urgency from everyone 
outside of Gus's world might be a little bit heightened more so than he even anticipates right yeah. now. Yeah, I, listen, I, I would agree with that. And look, Trav, you know, it, if we made a phone call to uh, Fayetteville and Oxford, uh, would those coaches tell you that they actually won that game uh, and had it yeah. taken away from them by the officials? Yeah, that's what I that's, – I mean, look, Ole Miss and Arkansas, Arkansas should have won the game. They yes. did win the game. Yes, absolutely. It, it just wasn't called that way. Right. Uh, Ole Miss certainly had a beef. There was plenty of time to play, and there were other things that happened after that uh, kickoff return that should have gone for an Ole Miss touchdown, I guess, that uh, didn't. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's that Gus is fully aware that he does have the buyout he has, or maybe he just doesn't have a great sense of self-awareness right now. But, um I think things could could ramp up a good bit. I'll, I'll say this for Auburn, though, this week. I think it's a good matchup for Auburn because I yes. still think Auburn's strength is on the back end more so. Right. And those linebackers, McLean and Papo, yes. better in, in matchups with space and, and not being mauled inside by power run games. So I, I like Auburn this week on the road, but uh, – it may be a little little close for comfort. As we let you go here, Brent, wanted to ask you about the the impact that this Ole Miss A and M postponement and or cancel or cancellation, however that's going to play out, because the numbers in terms of Saturdays left don't work out in terms of getting this these games in these ten games for these two teams. Is A and M suddenly in the same boat as perhaps Ohio State, where the college football playoff? is concerned maybe even a smaller boat, I guess, than Ohio State right now. Uh, I think um, uh, Aggie beat writers would tell you that uh, what they need is a Florida loss, uh, an Ohio State loss at some point uh, along the line. Uh, And they'll also tell you that they're very disappointed in their mind that the league trap did not work harder to get either that the Ole Miss game – uh, played or get them another game uh, this weekend. Again, we don't know what all went on behind the scenes. With uh, and and I mean it's still Tuesday and something maybe could happen. But uh, according to AM beat writers that, that we've heard from, uh, they uh, they don't think the league went above and beyond. Shall we say that? Yeah, which is interesting because throughout this process. Greg Sankey in the league office yes. has been very aggressive and very no proactive in trying to, you know, get as as much as this in. Not only that, but you know, keep the matchups that are most relevant uh, to the league at, at a position where they can certainly get played. And yeah, you've heard that from more than a few people here in the yeah. last day or so with this situation involving Ole Miss and Texas A and M and Brent Shane Beamer now is your new head coach at South Carolina. We had talked about this in previous weeks, the possibility that Beamer would be the next guy, the successor to Will Muschamp. I don't know how much it moves the needle, um, but I do think there are some correlations, some parallels that can be drawn that at least make it a sensible hire. When you talk about Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, Ogeron at LSU and, uh, you know, guys that necessarily haven't had coordinator experience, but uh, certainly he's had ties to that South Carolina program, and more importantly, he's had ties to that program when things were really, really good. Oh, oh yeah, players, coach, former players really like him. Uh, but look, right now for them, um, I, 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 I just tell you, Trav and Jeremy Pruitt's a good example. Uh, can you last in this league if you're a first-year coach? And you've got training wheels uh, yeah. that are coming in, so uh, I, I, you know, I, I get it, but yet uh, very much up in the air where this one's going to go. Brent, as always, we appreciate the time, my friend. Always great stuff with us here on Southern Fried Sports. Brent Beard, if you haven't already, give him a follow on Twitter at Brent Beard. That's B E A I R D. Look forward to doing it again next week, Brent. Thanks so Me, much. Always proud. Take care. There he goes, Brent Beard. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after. Um.
Pops, Rusty, the chocolate lady over at Peterbrook Chocolatier, and the rest of the crew at Southern Fried Sports. Travis Ryer wishing you and yours a happy holiday season. And here's to a much improved 2021. a lot of gumbo a lot of gumbo comments via the dms jacob harrison since we went Devonte smith and the perfect cup of gumbo with his game kevin holt listening up in indiana via the interwebs he came with the crab meat to go along with the sausage and the shrimp i can't argue with the crab meat man that'll work that'll absolutely work uh, another, another bit of input we got from at Cad Bammer 23 on the Twitter. He says you can't do gumbo without potato salad on the side or in the gumbo. I hear you. I hear you. They go hand in hand. Cad Bammer says. So, uh, the folks, they like that gumbo talk, man. Who doesn't love some good gumbo? I bet Pat does. I bet Pat loves gumbo. He's up next at the Peterbrook Chocolate Tree Studio line. What about it, Pat? Good, good morning. Hey, my gumbo has received a shout-out by Lauren Sislin with uh, 42 uh, in Birmingham nationally one day. That, uh, oh, wow. But anyway, uh, hey, now, gumbo, do you want gumbo with filet or filet and okra? I use filet and okra. I'm a traditionalist. Yeah, I can go either way. I, I'm, you can put whatever you want in there. Filet, uh, uh, okra, a little tomato, some onion. Maybe even a little uh, green pepper. Uh, it's you know, one of the things, it's unlike chicken salad. People overdo chicken salad, Pat, when they start putting grapes and almonds and all that oh, trash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's, I'm that's a minimalist. Very true. When it comes to uh, things but, like but you, chicken you salad, i uh, yeah. uh, On the gumbo, though, that the uh, filet is actually a thickening agent. Okay. Uh, you, put you, the, you put the filet in the gumbo at the very last uh, when you finish cooking the gumbo. Okay. Uh, and the filet is really for thickening. And uh, but okay. anyway, hey, what Justin McCall is about Eric Gilbert? Uh, is this going to be Coach O's undoing? I heard y'all touch on it just a little bit. And if he loses Gilbert, and this could very well be a godsend for uh, that jackass over in uh, I didn't mean to say that word, but uh, over there <laughs> in uh, Georgia, because that would give him two. Oh, six five plus wide uh, receivers in uh, Washington that, uh, that he already has, and Gilbert. That would be yeah. awful. What do you? I got to see Georgia actually make good use of some of those options. You know. But oh, I, 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 under, I understand, but what I'm saying is, it makes terrible mismatches for D backs. I mean, it makes you have Absolutely to go and we. But we do have one coming in at six foot three. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely class. does. There's no doubt about that, but. Um, you know, when you talk about tight ends, uh, look at Jaleel Billingsley right here at Alabama. What he's been able to do in the last three weeks is I'm sure you've watched uh, Pat. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you got two you know, or three wide know, we covered in, uh, Gilbert quite quite a bit. Sure. And, sure. Uh, and, a lot, but, and most uh, people thought hey, he Marietta, was Hey, Marietta, Georgia. And, hey, how far, what's the difference in the distance traveling from Marietta uh, to Tuscaloosa versus Marietta to Athens? Uh, pretty big difference. You pretty know, big Marietta difference, to Athens, it? maybe an hour, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Man, we're, talking we're about two, three and a half. Or I guess we're here. we're probably two and a half, three. Yeah, and uh, yeah. but but anyway, it's a lot closer than LSU. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Man, hey, Pat, uh, but we anyway, the call, my hey, man. yes, sir. Hey, have a blessed day. And uh, but I really think this is Coach Ozeron's uh, undoing. He loses Gilbert at uh. Uh, you can put a fork in him. He's doing. There you go, right. Pat. Have you? a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Pat, the prognosticator when it comes to Coach O. We're going to head to our final break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. 
cool day with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high 54. Clear tonight, the low at 35. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. Lots of sunshine both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow is 62. The high Thursday at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Gregory Lenoir Allman. Greg Allman would have turned 73 years old today. He's one of those Gregs with three Gs. One of the few good ones, it seems like. Talked about Greg Williams. Over the weekend, we're bringing that blitz at Derek Carr and the Raiders with under 15 seconds to go. And Henry Ruggs III beating the Jets for a game-winning touchdown. It didn't work out so good for that Greg with three G's. He had Greg Marshall. That's three G's, Greg. Previously, the head basketball coach, men's basketball coach out there at Wichita State. That's a good one, though, right there. That's a good Greg with three G's. The late great Greg Allman. Winding down on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Looking forward to some uh, college basketball action as we move throughout the week. Of course, the Alabama men set to take on Clemson over in Atlanta on Saturday night. Alabama and Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology there at ESPN.com. He has the Alabama Crimson Tide in his field for the 2021 NCAA tournament. Also, the Alabama women, Charlie Cream, who does bracketology on the women's side. Charlie Cream in his latest 64 team bracketology. He has the Alabama women's team as a 10 seed. Alabama. On the women's side, off to a 4-0 start. If it happens, it would be Alabama's first NCAA tournament appearance where the women are concerned since 1999, looking for their first NCAA tournament berth in the 21st century, the Alabama women's team. Playing good early. SEC play obviously going to determine a whole lot more not only for the women, but, of course, the men as well. That's going to do it for Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing it. Thanks to Brent Beard for joining us as well. The lunch whistle on a Tuesday. That's Eat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. I talk about Taco Tuesday, but, look, first and foremost, it's a Thai Chicken Tuesday at Eat Pizza Bar. Starting at 6 o'clock, you're going to be able to get those outstanding best pizza you'll ever put in your mouth. The Thai Chicken Pizzas. For just seven bucks, two dollar domestics also starting at six o'clock this evening. Heat Pizza Bar downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.